Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 11. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. If you guys would join me in reading Romans chapter 5, we'll start in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world... For sin indeed was in the world. Yet death reigned from Adam This is the word of the Lord. You may grab a seat. So if I just shouted out random colors to you, let's try it. Brown, orange, yellow. And then I came in behind those colors and I said black, red, blue. Who knows what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Anyone? Okay. So, so, so maybe now if I just uh, add something to it and I say, okay, brown, orange, yellow. That equals high voltage. But then if I would say black, red, blue, that, that's just normal voltage. And then if I say, no, I'm talking about colors of wires, 
Like some of you be like, yes, okay, I've wired a house for. I know a little bit about electricity and being an electrician. But here's what we know about brown, orange, yellow, black, red, blue. If you don't understand that, you can't be an electrician. <laughs> like you're going to struggle. This is fundamental. They teach you this on day one. So why am I telling you this? We, if you're visiting, we go through books of the Bible here. We are in Genesis, and we are in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. You have to understand those three chapters if you're going to understand the rest of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and Genesis chapter 3. So again, we've, we've been in uh, Genesis, so by way of review, last week we were introduced to a new character, like God created and everything was good, it was perfect, it was actually very good. In the beginning of chapter 3, it says, now the serpent. So, so enter last week, the dragon, the dragon of the story. The whole story of the Bible is kill the dragon, get the girl. That sums up your whole Bible. And this dragon is introduced in chapter 3. And he has a lot of power. He's a real person. But we talked about last week, he has no authority. He comes at us. He tempts us. He lies to us. He accuses us. And then he goes after our desires. What desires? Our desire to do. Our desire to have. Our desire to be. In other words, you need to do something that God doesn't want you to do. But God's a, God's a taker. He doesn't want the best for you. You need to have something that God hasn't given you. He's not giving you everything. He's not good. You need to be something that God never wanted you to be. But that's because he doesn't really like you. Right? This is how he worked in Genesis chapter 3. It's how he works still today. And Adam and Eve bought the lie, and creation was fractured. The reason they bought the lie is because they doubted the goodness of God. And that's what we do when we sin. It's just something in us that says, no, God's not good. He's withholding something from me. I need to go over here and get something else. And last week we talked about that sin always gives us a knowledge that we were never meant to have and it always fractures deeper than we ever expected. So we're going to look more this week. We're going to see more of our, our reaction to sin. We're going to look at our consequences of sin and then we're going to come to the greatest news that you'll ever hear in your life which is we have a cure for our sin. Now last week we saw a reaction to sin. Adam and Eve, they, they sinned and what did they do? They immediately went into hiding because for the first time in human history we see fear introduced. They didn't know fear until they sinned. And now they know fear. And then they knew shame. They knew no shame. They were naked and unashamed. They sinned, enter fear and shame. And their reaction was that they hid. Because that's what happens when you are ashamed. You always go into hiding. But there's more this week. I want, I want to look at a couple other reactions that we didn't talk to last week. Now we got to go back to verse 7. They took the bite. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So here's the first reaction I'm going to talk about this week. They made fig leaves. 
And what you have to understand, don't don't just blow over that. What happens is Adam and Eve, they concluded, hey, let us fix us how God would like us to be fixed. Leaves, that'll do it. And here, for the first time in Scripture, we see religious performance. So we're going to get practical right out of the gate. A bunch of us in this room still wear fig leaves. We still try to fix us the way we think God would want us to be fixed. So how does this play out? How does it play out in the Ozarks? Again, let's get really, let's get, let's get really practical, okay? So, so man, we, we, love, uh, we love our fig leaves, and, and one of those fig leaves just maybe might be like an I voted sticker in November. Well, I'm awesome. I did my duty. God, God's proud of me. Maybe another one is, is that we take certain stands uh, on, on social issues. So, of course, this is how God would want me to fix me. Maybe, maybe we're like, no, you know what, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to help with the youth in my community. I'm going to coach a t-ball team or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the boys and girls club and I'm going to volunteer. And, and man, like, boop, fig leaves. Now listen, all those things are good things. Okay, I, di- I didn't say those were bad things. But, but what we have to evaluate is, is why do we do those good things because some some of us do them because they're fig leaves some of us do those things because what happens is it dilutes our shame and our guilt some of us do those good things because it makes us sleep better at night and I'm here to tell you this morning we're just like Adam and Eve those are just fig leaves but we don't stop there Another reaction to sin, and the final one I want to talk about this morning, is God comes, right? Sin happens, and he comes to Adam and Eve. He's like, what is this that you have done? Did you eat of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, okay? So let me just tell you what he's getting ready to do here. He's getting ready to blame. And then God's going to talk to the woman, and the woman is going to blame. That is a common reaction to the sin in our lives, is that we blame We blame God, we blame others, we blame our circumstances. He says, Adam, did you do this? And Adam's like, the the woman. But he didn't even just stop like, it's the woman. It's Wait, it's the woman you gave me. You two worked this. It's your fault. And he blames. God goes to the woman, what is this you've done? She says, no, it's the serpent. It's the serpent, like... He deceived me. And you see blame happening. Listen, I can't think of anything. It's hard for me to think of anything. And this is personally, so I want to try to guard my heart here. It is really gross. And I, and I want a better word for this. I don't have a better word. Listen, a victim mentality is gross. When we blame somebody else for our issues, maybe it's God. Maybe it's our mom and dad. 
Maybe it's our circumstances, but it's got to be somebody else's fault besides mine. That's gross. That's a common reaction to sin. And this is what Adam and Eve did. And then God goes, goes, goes to work. Now, we're, he, we see consequences because sin always has consequences. So, so the serpent, the serpent has some consequences. But first, I want to talk about our consequences, meaning Adam and Eve's and even our consequences. And I can sum up the consequences of sin in one, one word. Here it is. Th- this is the ultimate consequence of sin. You ready? Pain. We have all felt pain, emotional, physical, mental, all, all the pain in the world. But, but God gets specific. He tells Adam, so, so we'll skip it on down where he tells Adam, like, hey, you are going to have pain. Here's where your pain is going to be. You're going to have pain in your work, and you're going to have pain in your marriage. So listen, we know work, right? Listen, work is toil. The Bible tells us this. And, and, and no matter what, we're working eventually, even if you love your job, eventually work becomes work. And, and you may get on top and it's like, okay, now I can coast. Like, man, I've got things under control. Like, work is good. And then you go back the next day and you're like, oh, it's not under control anymore. This stuff just keeps hitting back. That's the toil of work. And then there's going to be toil in marriage, we'll get to that in a minute, but he looks to Eve. He says, now here, you're going to have some pain. And here's where you're going to have pain, Eve. You are going to have your pain multiplied in childbearing. Oh, and Eve, also, you are going to have pain in marriage. So, so let's, let's just talk the childbearing thing. I, okay, the Bible says that, 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 that there, the pain would be multiplied. Meaning, I cannot imagine it not hurting a little bit, even pre-sin. Whoa. But then it gets multiplied. And, and whoa. So, so, so Jenny, J- Jenny was given birth, right? And she goes in the hospital. And, and you know how it is. Like, like water broke and it's all happening fast. It's not how we drew this up, okay? This is too early. Uh, so, so we're in the hospital and she's in pain. Because it happens so, so fast. So what am I doing? I'm doing what every incredible husband would do, first off. And I'm comforting her. And I'm saying, baby, got this. And I'm just rubbing her hair and her head. And it's like, I'm crushing this. <laughs> so I thought that's what I was doing. But apparently I was nervous also. And I was actually just like pushing her head back. And her head was snapping. And I'm like, you got this, babe. And she looks at me, right? And, and, and no joke, she looks at me. And eye contact, she says, she says something. She says, I'll never forget it. She says, don't touch me. <laughs> and I was like, this, that hurts. But it gets worse. So like the doctor guy, I don't know what they call him. I don't care. But the doctor guy that comes in to take the pain away, you know what I'm saying? Like the door's open. This dude looks like he came out of a movie he's so hot and I'm looking at him and I'm looking down at my wife who just told me don't touch me and I'm looking at at him and and I'm like I'm gonna have to kill this guy because this is anyway he does his thing here's my point listen me listen having babies hurts But, but can, can I tell you where even more pain is than that? It's 
relational because of the fall. And specifically in marriage, see, God tells Eve, he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now, what is he saying right there? What we see here, in other words, is that now division is introduced and experienced even within a marriage. Like the way that she wants it to go is not the way that he is going to want it to go. And the way he wants it to go is not going to be the way that she wants it to go. And this is how marriage is kind of going to be. So like, all, all, listen, the, the married people in the room, they get this. It's like, man, she loves me. I'm not sure how I did that, but she loves me. And it's awesome. And then it's like, I think she hates me a lot too. She desires me, but she doesn't fully trust me. I mean, she knows, she knows my failures. She's been disappointed by me numerous times. But I know my failures better than she does. And like I've seen the disappointment in her eyes. And like we both know each other's stuff. Like we know all the stuff. And I love this woman more than anything I, I, I could ever love. But I better dominate her because before she controls me. The wife. She doesn't fully trust, so she seeks to control the husband. And she'll do this in, in certain ways. Maybe this happens just by, by criticizing. Maybe this happens just by shutting down. Maybe this happens uh, through threats. Maybe it happens just by responding to him like he's some kind of an idiot. But this is a way that a woman would seek to control, then the men would seek to dominate. How? Well, maybe by criticizing her or maybe by threatening or, or responding like she's an idiot. You see how this works? And, and all the married people are like, man, I don't even know what he just said, but that no, no truer words have ever been spoken. Like, I feel it. And, and I know some of you, like, you just put a ring on a finger and you're like, what? Listen, Genesis 3. So what happens in the world, and sadly even now in the church, is the wife seeks to control and the husband seeks to dominate. And, and listen, that's not the way it was supposed to be side-by-side -side operation. You know what I'm saying? Coming out of the rib, out of the side, are you with me? But listen, so what happens when you don't feel that, when that's not what's going on in marriage, right? What happens in the world is one or both, then, when one seeks to control and one seeks to dominate, one or both then go, shoot, we better seek divorce. And we forget Genesis chapter 3. Satan hates you. He hates your marriage. We've got to recognize what's going on. We need to run to Jesus. But ultimately, what is this really about? It's ultimately about, listen, we all have pain in our life. And relational conflict exists everywhere, especially in marriage, but in all relationships. Life is now going to be a life of toil because of Genesis chapter 3. It's the knowledge that we gained. It's the knowledge that sin gave us that we never should have had. Because sin always gives us knowledge we never wanted. And it fractures deeper than we ever expected. 
So Genesis chapter 3, we see creation is cursed. Adam's not cursed. Eve's not cursed. Creation is cursed. The serpent is cursed. We'll talk about him in a minute. But creation is cursed. So in Genesis chapter 3, enter cancer. Genesis chapter 3, enter viruses, tornadoes, earthquakes, divorce, depression, anxiety, addiction. But listen, here's the hardest part. Here's one of the hardest things we're going to hear today. Listen, this is what we wanted. When we believe that we can be God better than God, this is the result. When we doubt the goodness of God, this is the result. But listen, cancer, viruses, tornado, that's not the worst part. We see here that death enters the scene. God tells Adam, he says, listen, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So death comes on the scene. It never existed until, until this. But there's another death that we must see if we, if we breeze over. It's like, whoa. So, so Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the last verse we read today, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So listen, for the first time in Scripture... Something had to die. Blood had to be shed to properly cover the way that God said things need to be covered. God looks on it and says, the fig leaves are not going to do because he's perfectly just. So blood had to be shed. So what happened? An animal had to die and God covered Adam and Eve. And this is a foreshadowing of the greatest news you'll ever hear in your life. We'll get to it. And it takes us now to a cure. So it's not just that there's a reaction to sin. It's not that there are just consequences. God is a good God. He's a loving God. And there is a cure for our sin. And in this cure, we actually see the consequences of The enemy, the dragon, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here's what you need to see about that verse. God tells the Satan, he tells the serpent, listen to me, you're going to eat dust. In the Hebrew world, there's one word that sums that up. You ready? Humiliation. God says you will live humiliated. And that's original readers would have seen that you will eat dust. That was like an insult. So they know the dragon will be humiliated. That's a consequence. Now listen, if you're going to understand the rest of your Bible, you have to understand Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. But specifically, if you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, you have to understand Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, verse 15. Let me read it. God's telling telling the, the dragon, I will put 
enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So we see this between your seed and her seed or between your offspring and her offspring. Well, what's her offspring and what's the dragon's offspring? Her offspring are are, are the dragon's offspring. Your seed, dragon, is all of those who did not follow Yahweh or God or, or ultimately who did not believe in Jesus. And then her seed, is going to be all that did or do follow Yahweh and ultimately follow Jesus. This is why Jesus comes on the scene and he tells the religious guys, he's like, you are of your dad, the devil, right? Because they didn't recognize who Jesus was. But God gets way more specific. Here's what he says about the offspring. He says, Dragon, Satan, evil, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. Now, when, when the Hebrew people would have read, original audience would have heard bruise your heel, they would have known, man, that's, that's, a, that's an injury. That's an injury. Okay, so if there's going to be an injury. But then when they would, they, when they would have seen the, the, the phrase, but he will bruise your head, Hebrew original audience would have been like, that's a fatal blow. That's what he means there. When he writes bruise your head, that's a fatal blow. So in other words, you are going to, you are going to injure her seed right? You're going to injure her seed's heel, but here's what her seed is going to do to you. He is going to smash your face in. That's what God is saying. And what do we see here? Listen, so, so God says this. Who said it? Okay, so go back to Genesis 1. Those of you who've been with us, there is a theme of Genesis 1, the theme, and it's actually the theme of the whole Bible, and here it is, Genesis 1, and God said, and it was so. The theme of the whole Bible is, and God said, God just told the dragon what was going to happen. It will be so. Because when God says something's going to happen, it happens. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Don't miss this. Theologians call this the proto-evangelium. That means the first gospel. The first gospel good news. Listen, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. It doesn't say the name of Jesus, but it screams the name of Jesus. This is the first prediction of Jesus. So here's the conversation. Here God is. And and, and man, creation has been fractured. Now imagine Eve is over, over there and she is weeping because she knows the mistakes that she made. She knows the depths of her sin and she's crushed by it. And God is having a conversation with evil and he's saying, take a look, take a look, evil. You see that little girl right there? You got her. You got her, okay? You did, but let me tell you something evil. One day, one day, this little girl is gonna have a baby. And this baby, you're going to injure him. But this baby, (laughs) he will crush your face. God said that. And it will be so. Enter the dragon slayer. Enter the serpent crusher. See, this woman had a baby. 
And you think, man, what, but, but listen, Satan didn't know how that was going to unfold. He didn't know. Is it Eve? Is she literally going to be the one who has Eve didn't know. Maybe she thought she was literally. Actually, she did. We'll talk about that when we get to Cain and Abel. But listen, Satan didn't know how that was all going to unfold. Eve didn't know. But what Satan and what evil did is he went to work. He said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I will make a mockery of her seed. I will do everything I can to wreck her seed. So listen, as you read the Old Testament, you see all the whack stuff in the Old Testament. That's the enemy going to work to wreck the plan of God and wreck the seed. But God had a plan. It was always his plan. He was going to set apart a particular group of people. And from that group of people, that seed would come. And deliver a fatal blow. But the girl wasn't Eve. See, that little girl was a virgin named Mary. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And might I add, Dragon Slayer. Jesus. And you can read, there's, a, there's actually a, a literal rematch. Okay? I, I, for today, for time, we won't read it, but you can go read Matthew chapter 4. Read verse 1 through 11. See what happens is Jesus meets the dragon in the wilderness. See, Adam met the dragon in a garden. Jesus meets the dragon in a wilderness. And what does the dragon do? The same thing he did in the garden. He tempts Jesus. What does he tempt Jesus with? The desire to do, the desire to have, and the desire to be. So, so he tempts Jesus, and every time, first he was tempted, Jesus, do this, like turn this rock into bread. Because see, Jesus was starving because he hadn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan says, turn this rock into bread. You can do that. And Jesus says, it is written. Don't you know, dragon? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So Satan then goes to another tactic, starts quoting scripture. Jesus responds, it is written. <laughs> Satan, oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'm going to go to a third thing. He offers Jesus something else. Jesus responds, get behind me. Get out of here. It is written. And we see a rematch. And don't miss it. The first Adam, the first Adam, he was in a garden. He was in paradise. But the second, the truer and better Adam, Jesus, he was in the wilderness. He had it tougher than Adam. The first Adam, like he actually was in community. He had his wife with him. But the second Adam was in the wilderness alone. Jesus, the first Adam, had all the food that he could ever want and eat. But the second Adam, he was starving Forty days he had fasted. See, the first Adam was a passive, weak betrayer. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, was an active truth teller. See, here's what should have happened. The first Adam, he, he should have seen evil in the garden. And one of two things. We like to think, man, grab, grab the serpent, rip its head off, say, quit messing with my wife, get out of here. But, but let's just say, like, man, that's a little too much to ask. But if he didn't know what to do, he should just have done 
what he knew to do. What do I mean by that? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Adam could have seen this serpent. What is this? He's talking like my wife. God, hey, God, what? I don't know what this is. Can you help me? You see what I'm saying? Listen, when you don't know what to do, just run to God. Call on God. See, the first Adam, he didn't do that. The second Adam did. How did he do it? See, the second Adam, he's in the wilderness, and he's like, it is written. It is written. So, so he wields a sword in battle. Satan's tried to get him, get him to fall. What's he do? He, he wields a sword, God's word. That's how you combat evil. Church, hear me, Hill City. If Hill City Church is your home, I, I need eye contact. Okay, listen. We have to read our Bibles. We have to listen to the Bible. Okay, here we go. We have to memorize the Bible. Scripture. We have to write it on our hearts so that we have something to wield when we go to war, when we are attacked. So I'm like, man, I want to. I just don't, under, I don't understand it. I don't really know how to do it. Well, luck if you, like, we do things here like, oh, understanding your Bible. You can sign up and go sit for just a few weeks and learn understanding your Bible. You can learn how to read it, learn how to know it. Like, just, just sign up and go do that. That's just one way. I'm lobbing you a softball. There you go. So here, Jesus, he, he injures the dragon here, but, but in the wilderness, he injures the dragon. He wields his sword like Satan has to go away, but there still has to be a face crushing. This crushing is going to happen in the most uncanny way. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the second Adam came, and he lived a perfect life. He never knew sin, but he voluntarily went to a cross and he took the punishment that Adam and Eve deserved but they didn't get he took the punishment that you and I deserved that we didn't get in other words he took the bite from the serpent he died on a cross but then he was buried and and, and he was there for three days and he and he rose again and in that rising from the grave he defeated the death that was introduced in Genesis chapter 3 and by his blood by his finished work we now can have what we call salvation Isaiah chapter 61 predicted this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt my God for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. That's really good news. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. But do you remember what he told Satan? He said, you're going to eat dust. You will be humiliated. That's what he told him. Listen, it happened. Colossians 2, 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. That's you and me. This is really good news. This 
he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's evil. That's evil and all of his minions. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross. Listen to me. He humiliated the dragon because when God says, it is so. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, evil has been disarmed. But don't miss this. What is evil armed with? And you guys, we're coming right, listen, we're coming right to our, our homes right now. I'm coming to your house. Here we go. Evil is armed with accusations. He accuses. And we have to respond. And listen, there's a way to respond. See, the cure has been offered. The cure is on the table, and we respond. How do we respond? We respond by confessing and repenting. I know those sound like churchy words. Confess just means to agree with. That means we confess to God. That means we agree with God about our sin. And then we turn from that. And we we turn from sin and we run to God. In other words, when we confess and repent, that means this. You come out of hiding. That means when when we confess and repent, that means there's no more blaming other people. So we don't say things like, yeah, you know, I just got in with the wrong crowd. We disagree with God and say, no, I was the wrong crowd. We don't say things like, yeah, my spouse, she's unbearable. Or it's not who I thought they were. So I left. No, we say, no, I thought I knew better than God. Man, now I realize I don't. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing God. Like, man, there was just hurt over here. I just wasn't experiencing God. So, like, man, I, I, like I, I'm deconstructing. And, and what we really need to say is, is actually... No, I thought I could do God better than God, come to think of it. You see, what, like, we, it's confession. And it's repentance. We say this around here all the time. If the gospel is true, and it is, you and I have nothing to hide. That's what evil wants us to do. He wants us to hide. If the gospel is true, you have nothing to hide to hide so just listen I want to tell you this I don't care listen no matter what you have done no matter what you have done like everybody can just go to their deepest darkest worst part of their heart right now go there right now no matter what is there Jesus can give you your life back See, some of you have agreed with evil instead of agreeing with God. Here's what I mean by that. Evil comes in and accuses you. The dragon comes in and accuses you. And you stop and you're like, yeah, actually, yeah. Brad, who are you? 
to think you should lead a church. I know what you did in college. And at times I'm like, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Who are you? I know what you did with that pregnancy when you were in college. Who are you to think you can follow Jesus? And in that moment, you have to decide, will I agree with evil or will I agree with God? If you agree with God, he will take away your fear. He will take away your shame. He will take away your guilt. If you're serving communion, I want you to head back. I want you to get the stations ready. See, here's what you have to do when those accusations come, because I meet with a lot of you. Listen, I know they come. For some of you, they're coming right now as you're hearing the sermon. That The accusations are coming, right? And, and listen, here's what you have to do. Will you just allow me to lovingly equip you? So when evil comes on the scene and accuses you and tells you how rotten you are and that you don't deserve Jesus and that, hey, and listen, like, who do you think you are? First, here's the first one. You can say, dude, it's way worse than that. Yeah, you're right. But it's actually way worse than that, evil. Because see, the enemy doesn't know your thoughts. And you can be like, you, you ought to see what's going on in this gray matter. You think my actions are bad? You ought to get in here. It's a mess. It's a filthy, rotten mess up here. So yeah. But let me tell you this. I have died. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You got nothing. Yeah, but I know what you've done. And listen, it, you, you went too far in your sin this time. And you blew it. And you need to sit on the sidelines. And, and you can look at evil. And you can say, no, no, listen, let me say it again. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. You got nothing, dragon. I know, I know the dragon knows his Bible. Listen, haven't you read Romans 8.1 where it says there is no, that means zero, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can keep talking, but it ain't hitting. So you, listen, this is what you have to combat evil with, the truth. And just what if, church, what if we just memorize like those few verses and we put them in our belt to go to war with And you have an enemy, and he hates you. He hates your guts. And he wants you to believe this morning that your life is insignificant. He wants you to believe that you've gone too far. He wants you to believe that you're beyond repair. Don't believe the lie. He's a liar. You have a stake in the advancement of the kingdom of God. You are here on purpose. Listen to me. Middle school light code. God has you here in 2023 
on purpose, and you can be used to advance his kingdom. And that's everybody in the room. And don't buy the lie that that cannot be the case. You're here at this point in history on purpose. And what do we do? Let's move toward God. Because he moved toward us first. I want you to stand with me. So we receive communion every week. We do it on purpose. But here's what I want to do today. We're going to come to the table, but just not yet. See, the proper response is that we confess and that we repent. We just pray. We just go to God and agree with him. God, I'm a sinner. I'm nothing without you. And some of you, like your fig leaves this morning is that you just come to church every Sunday because it makes you sleep better at night. But the reality is you've never just given your whole life to Christ. You've never truly agreed with God. And I just want the whole room to take this moment just for a few minutes and just pray. We're gonna have people down front, elders, staff, be the honor of our day to pray with you. For some of you, you've never trusted Jesus. And he stands ready to forgive today. He's not mad at you. He loves you. If you believe otherwise, you're believing a lie. That's what Romans 16 says. This is crazy. I don't even know how this plays out, but this is crazy. If you're following Jesus... The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So like he was crushed on the cross, but somehow God's like, I'm saving some for y'all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. When it's time to come to the table, we'll let you know. But let us be people of prayer right now, just for a few minutes confession and repentance.